0: Welcome to the Lancaster Patriot Podcast. My name is Chris Hume, Managing Editor of the Lancaster Patriot, and I'm joined today by Joel Saint, as usual, Pastor of Independence Reform Bible Church. Joel, thanks for joining me.
1: Hey, thanks for having me again.
0: All right, and I have another guest that I want to introduce to you, but before that, let me let our listeners know that this podcast is brought to you by Heritage Floors, Heritage Floors can help you create the home of your dreams with shades, carpets, area rugs, specialty flooring, and more. No matter what you're looking to do to create your own personal sanctuary, they're there to listen and help. So go to HeritageFloorsPA.com or call them at 717-687-7906, HeritageFloorsPA.com, and let them know that the Lancaster Patriot sent you. Well, I want to introduce our listeners to John Leach all the way from the continent of Africa. John, thanks for joining us
2: today. It's a real pleasure.
0: Thank you very much, Chris. John is the founder of Waymakers Mission Africa. That's correct, right? Waymakers Mission Africa? 100%. Okay. And when did when did you start that, John? Uh,
2: 26 years ago.
0: 26 years ago. Yes. Okay. Well, today we are going to be talking with John about his work uh, in Africa, specifically Zambia, Angola, those are the main areas you work in, John?
2: Well, for the first 13 years, I worked from Cape Town to South Sudan, and then in the past 13 years, predominantly in the northwest of uh, Zambia and into the eastern province uh, of Mashiko, of Angola.
0: Okay. And you are originally from South Africa?
2: 100% correct.
0: Okay. All right. So what's your your first language? Is it English?
2: It's English. Okay. uh, But I speak Afrikaans very well.
0: Okay. What is, can you say something for us in Afrikaans so our listeners can hear?
2: Yeah, this um, is a pleasure and a privilege for me to be here.
0: Well, we're very, very happy to have you here. Uh, Joel, how long have, how, how did you get connected with John? You've known John for a little bit, I think.
1: Uh, yeah, I sure have. Uh, back in, I think it was 2018, I uh, spent some time in South Africa and Zimbabwe. And uh, that's when uh, John and I met through a mutual friend, uh, Charles van Veik um he is a native south african uh charles, charles is interesting his story is interesting his family has been south african for about uh, 10 uh, 10 generations not sure if that's the case with you or not also fun facts would
2: have been dutch settlers more than anything we um 1820 settlers i okay. came in with the british
1: settlers yeah so 1820 a, re- so a, 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 a recent uh <laughs> acquisition <laughs> yeah just just got there <laughs> 200 years yeah. to be exact
0: how about that? Okay, yep. okay, so, John, can you just tell us, I mean, wh- what you're doing? Just, I mean, if people have no idea, I mean, I, I had, had no idea what you're doing over there. You spoke a little bit at church uh, yesterday, actually. But can you just kind of, I mean, just step back for a minute and, and share with people what your passion is in life, you know, what you're doing over there trying to spread the, the renown of the
2: Lord Jesus? Absolutely. Initially, when I set out in the Zambian arena, uh, I went into a tribe we're predominantly working with at the moment still called the Luvali. They are least reached and unreached tribe in the northwest. 40% reside within the Zambian borders and 60% across into the Angolan border. These folk uh, are, are like sort of they just left out there. There's no economy, very, very little to be exact, and um, I. I- the Lord called me out uh, to go and work amongst these people. Initially, we started off by doing uh, evangelism, training up the local church. My focus not being to um, plant a new church, but rather to strengthen the existing church in the area. And the way we do that is we work alongside with many other folk within the body of Christ. So my function basically initially was to go in, train in evangelism. Then I realized, shucks, but All these little uh, churches that are being planted, there's no depth to it. So in Africa, predominantly, uh, the churches are a mile wide and an inch deep. And so it really bothered me, and I seriously prayed to the Lord. And the Lord brought uh, another um, mission organization called Harvesters Ministries alongside, who then brings the seminary into the bush. So now, not only were souls being won for Jesus, but... um, the the equipping and training of these folk now started really taking shape so the focus is Discipleship training and church planting alongside with harvesters Along with this came other partners and together as one body being the head. We are strengthening the church in that region so what
0: what brought you from South Af- uh, South Africa right up north to these
2: other these other nations well I um, there was a calling on my life, but something specifically happened of which you're gonna need more than an hour to sit and go through, but there was a testimony leading up to the place where um, um, I was released from the secular employment, successful businessman, to a place where the Lord called me by faith to step out into the mission field, supporting, and in those days, I mean, I, I've, I'm no missionary experience, so I came from a, purely from a secular word and stepped out into the mission field. And uh, I learned along the way working with different organizations and, and being mentored by different men, sometimes much younger than myself that have been in the mission field uh, for many years. And uh, initially it was basically tracking resources into the missionaries, the remote missionaries. So for these all these years, 25, 26 years, remote and war-torn areas is where we, where the Lord has basically called me to, where nobody really wants to go. And uh, yeah, that's how I started out. And as I say, for thirteen years, Cape Town to South Sudan, taking in resources um, um, and working alongside the missionaries and the church groups, uh, evangelical church groups across across the na- across the country actually, and across the the continent up to Sudan.
0: When you you mentioned the in Africa, the church is a mile wide and an inch deep, right? Just, can, why do you think that is? Or try to give maybe a little more of a picture of. Of what the state of christianity is in africa from someone who lives there
2: you've got african uh, uh we africans by and large are very much influenced by what we see on television so you've got the televangelists and this type of thing so you'll find uh basically if there's a new flavor um then a lot of my fellow africans tend to follow that flavor so um you'll see them in the bush for instance uh, trying to imitate uh, some of your televangelists, either by their actions and the, you know, the the, uh, or by their dress code, so, like some of the the Christian preachers. Oh yes, okay. we're talking about uh, like God TV and these various um, okay. TV's that that um, programs that are out there. But over and above this, when you do challenge them in uh, with their with their doctrine, uh, they are very wishy washy. So you realize. Uh, uh, um, uh, and and of course, we know that Islam is in Central Africa, North and Central Africa, and they're pushing hard to come south. Uh, and so we realized that the, the training and the equipping of the saints in the word of God needs to be stronger so that we could uh, not only contend for the faith, but stall the advance of the Islamic um, influence towards the south. And that is happening very much in Central Africa, also with harvesters uh, uh, folk, and there's a... Um, we call it the firewall, and there's a wall across Africa of harsh, uh, uh, hardcore uh, hard training taking place in the churches where the church congregation folk too are being trained up so that they can contend for the faith with the word of God. And that's when I say shallow, they were not strong in it. They would capitulate easily in any uh, debate uh, or, or when they needed to contend for it. And now they are more assured of their salvation, assured of their faith. They are stronger in the word. That so when we do discipleship and church planting, uh, we're talking about Bible-based, strong Bible-based discipleship and church planting.
0: Right. So you're going in there, spreading the gospel, evangelism, and then trying to build up and train men to to do the same thing
2: well yes the interesting thing we work with existing church so we would go in where the church is already established now if the church is not established in an area obviously we will not plant a church but we would encourage um a reformer or one of our fellow co-workers these are necessary to plant a church over there but we work with the indigenous people because it's better to train up the indigenous folk and let them take the gospel to their people. You see, where we, I am specifically uh, in the past fifty to seventy years, the language is now in writing, so the Bible has been translated into that language. So now we can take the exist, uh, train up the existing church folk to take the gospel with their, in their own language, with in, in the Bible in their own language to their people.
0: Okay. I want to bring you, Joel, in here, see uh, any any questions you have for John. Um, But just so people get the picture here, John, we're talking like this is in the the bush, like this is off the grid. This is, you're not, you know, there are certainly modern cities
2: in Africa, but where you're, where you are ministering is is, uh, way out there in the bush. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, It takes me seven hours. To go and do my grocery shopping oh, wow <laughs> so that's that's the closest that sounds
0: like me but that's only because i can't find anything when i'm in the grocery <laughs> store
2: <laughs> yeah so now we isolated we remote very remote as a matter of fact the road ends where we are if you go and look on the map and then from if you have to cross the river onto the flood plains where the focus scattered across the flood plains we we basically have to what we call bunda or you on oxcart trails okay
0: and we'll put i'll put a link for your webpage and there's some videos on there. People can get an idea of, of where you're ministering. Joel, what are your thoughts on what John's
1: doing over there? Yeah, I'd like to ask John, um, John, so you, you, you want to go there and these people um, I understand are already deeply religious um, in, in, in the more secular sense right there. They believe in spirits and, and uh, they, they, they want to appease the spirits and so forth. Um, so you're going in to uh, change their religion, uh, John? Aren't they weren't, weren't weren't they happy already before you, you got there, just just living in peace with each other? And then you come along, weren't they? You know, tell tell me about how happy and peaceful they all were before uh, before uh, you told them told them about Christ. That's a great question because at the end of the
2: day, you know, people are always challenging us and saying, oh, why are you wanting to change the people? Why are you wanting to change the people? We're not going to change the people." We bring the gospel to a, a people that have lived in perpetual darkness, especially with the unreached. So you're coming into a village. You speak to them that village is under the influence of the witch doctors in the area. We call it witch. Okay,
1: yeah, the witch doctor. Yeah, um, so perpetu- you say perpetual darkness, um, but they don't think it's darkness, right? So... No. So, how does this work? Uh, absolutely. But the,
2: the interesting thing is when we come and speak to them and we, we ask them a basic question, saying, like, where do you come from? They say, We come from our ancestors or we come from birds. So, we know come that. from birds. Yes, sir. They actually, when I tell them that there are some folk. Like my American friends, that teach in the schools that we come from monkeys. These guys laugh and they say, you folk are
1: stupid. <laughs> yeah. you, we obviously came from birds. Okay. No, right. <laughs> no, you obviously come yeah. from birds, not monkeys. Yeah, but you, you're under the influence of witch doctors. Tell me about that. All right. Cool. So uh,
2: uh, look, uh, as we know from our, uh, there's a lot of deception. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that satan is the master of deception so he would use these folk and keep them in that darkness that he wants to keep them in that spiritual darkness and would not want the gospel to come to these folk so when we do come we bring the light we bring light into that darkness we bring truth we uh, uh, and so when we start speaking to them they're quick to do- to retaliate and say, oh, you're coming to tell us, for instance, uh, uh, out on the plains where it's very where, where remote, you're coming to tell us about the spirit of the hundred eyes. And then we say, absolutely, because they know there's a spirit more stronger than the spirits that they are under and the influence that they are under that sees everything. And is there even when a curse is put out on somebody and that person outlives the curse, they say, oh, it's the spirit of a hundred eyes that has actually protected this individual
1: so they have this idea of a, a a greater god than the gods that they can fashion with their with like, like their idols
2: absolutely no absolutely because even trees there's some trees that they would say well this trees is, they've got a spiritual connotation to the trees and this
1: type of thing so absolutely so um the, the tr- certain trees have a have a spirit now do they worship i mean how, how and now, let me ask this question how what would the, the Luvali people look like if the gospel had never come to them?
2: Well, they would still be in the days of Cain and Abel. Okay. Pretty much. They, yeah. they, they, uh, and this is a fact even now when you go out onto the plains in Mary, uh, many of the places uh, is what they put in the ground is what they eat. So by the sweat of the bra- their brow, they will till the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, the women have numerous children of which many uh, are, are, are st- uh, still birth, but also in pain. So uh, that curse that God put on uh, 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 Adam and Eve back in the garden, that is still relevant to these folk today. And so when we, we bring in the gospel, not only do their eyes open up and they start without you even saying anything to clean up the environment, but they now um, are open to further training and equipping in the word of God as the Holy Spirit um, opens up their understanding
1: and john what do you mean by clean up their environment what what's what's that
2: mean it's an interesting thing actually that we've observed you know um when you're coming into these what we call kraals or villages mm-hmm. um it's pretty much uh the the, the kids are uh, in the sand they, they they lie in the sand everybody's in the sand when i say in the sand there's no chairs they, they don't sit on any little stools the men might have a little leather stool that they sit on but the women again, and the children are in the dirt. The children have sores on their bodies from the dirt. Dirt sores. The dogs that they that are lying next to them have dirt sores. So, from from my perspective, I see Satan just basically dehumanizing the creation of God's image in in having it like uh, you just an animal. You just like that animal. But strangely enough, when um, you bring the gospel to these folk. And the, uh, of these folk are, are become born again. You find you don't even have to tell them, hey, listen, uh, clean up around your, your place looks like a mess. They, they start cleaning up the mess without you telling them. They, they, they start sweeping their little yards and they start washing. We, we do boreholes, by the way, as well. We put in freshwater boreholes uh, across the plains because many of the kids up to the age of five die from um bacteria related issues which
1: are you saying they don't have wells I mean, they, no
2: they, wells so we put so in. so what wells how,
1: how do they how do they drink what what
2: they have a hole in the ground the water table's high because it's a okay. flat plain so the water yeah. table's high yeah so they'll uh, after the uh, uh, floods yeah during the rain season they've got holes in in the ground, so the water's high. They drink out of that uh, uh, hole, the animals drink out of that hole, the goats or, uh, that they might have, they drink out of the hole, everybody sticks their hands into that hole. So it's very dirty. And what happens is the children many times get diarrhea. So when they get diarrhea, the parent who's uneducated, now these folk aren't stupid, mm-hmm. they're just uneducated. And um, so the parent says, oh, I, I cannot give liquid to my child because it's got diarrhea. Right. And so they withhold the liquid and the child dies of uh, dehydration. Now, when the child dies of dehydration, many times the first thing is who's put a curse on the child. Then they go and find out who put okay, the curse this, on the child. Okay, this
1: is the darkness you're talking about. Somebody, dies, they, somebody put a curse yes, on Yes,
2: and then yep. they kill that person. Okay, they will they will kill that person okay. that's a witch or something like that.
1: okay and the gospel comes in and then that whole curse nonsense goes by the boards
2: well absolutely i mean um uh, that and there was a, 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 another thing as well the village basically changes so when one when one little family comes to the knowledge of christ jesus as their lord and their savior and they've repented and they turn from their wicked ways and they now walk Uh, 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 with christ as their lord and savior it is not long that that is actually infectious now there won't there'll be others that resist and they will not be born again but you will find that that village starts copying what is happening in this little family's life and i i can i can i can share testimony about that um I was doing training one day. Uh there were women sitting on the in the on the one side and men on the other side. And I have got no problem when children come in and they're sitting with their mothers and disrupting, you know. Christ had five thousand odd people, you know, the children weren't they keep quiet kind of effort. So uh, I've got I actually enjoy it. It reminds me in my mind of Christ's times and what he must have gone through. And uh, but this I saw this mother being really irritated and I'm I'm I stopped halfway through my teaching, and I said to the um, mother, "I said, where's your husband?'" And she pointed to her husband over there. I said, "Why don't you take? Why don't you help your wife? You can see she's got a problem." The kids. Oh no, it's not our culture. And when he said that, when I got this righteous anger, brother, I changed my my um, whole thing. To uh, John MacArthur has a good teaching on uh, the roles and responsibility of the family. And I I went over to what I remember of his teaching, the roles of the husband, the roles of the father. And man, those women were clapping. I was hammering these men. But to cut a long story short, at the end of that, I said, who are we amongst you men? Because you have to forfeit your culture. You see, the thing is, you've got to take on a biblical culture. So anything that is not um, complimentary from your culture to the biblical culture. We have to forfeit, we have to forfeit it from a European perspective. Every culture has to come in line with the word of God and with that culture. So two folk put up their hand out of all these men. And then I ignored all the men and I would speak directly to these two folk. Well, they went back to their village and I, I forgot about this, I mean, two, three months later, I get a – somebody said, hey, John, what actually happened over there? Do you know? So I went to Pastor Davey, who's one of the overseers that I work with, and I said, hey, Davey, uh, do you remember that? He says, yes, man, let me tell you. He says, they went home. They were mocked. They were mocked by the rest of the villagers. The men. Oh, yes. No, they were told – they were told, "Ah, you like a woman, you know, you you're not a man." Because they were oh, no, because caring now, for their wives and yes, sir, okay. they were now carrying the the children in the, their arms. They were playing, uh, ga- they were playing ball with them out in the ah. back. Uh, all of us, and it wasn't long. Everybody, while they mocked them to start off with, eventually everybody else is doing exactly the same as them. So it just shows wow. you that we are flavouring, even the unsaved will be flavoured. And uh, if we allow the the light and the flavor of our Lord Jesus Christ in and through our lives. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a, a great
0: example of, of the culture being changed, e- even on, on a small scale there. These villages, I mean, are there are there village chiefs or are there leaders that, that can influence the whole village? Or how does it work there? It's the Luvali people. I mean, are yes. they... Are they kind of connected
2: in some sort of civil structure,
0: or is it just kind of these villages that stand alone?
2: No, they have. They have a chieftainess, so they work on a matriarchal system. She's, she's actually in Angola. I've met her. What a lovely—she's uh, uh, an elderly woman. What a lovely person she's, and I met her family. So she's basically the chief, chieftainess of— She the, hasn't converted to Christ yet? Not yet. Okay. But she, uh, but she's given us much favor because uh, she's given us land in Angola where we built the clinic and um, the missionary, one of our missionaries, Masaha, he's working over there. So, um, yes, the sorry, what was that question you asked me
0: over there? The Luvali people are, you mentioned there's a, the chiefess. Yes. So, so these, these individual, are, are the villages, are they semi-independent? Do they have no. their own chiefs or are yeah. they, how are they connected? So,
2: yes, they do. So each area has a chief, and then under the chief will be headmen of the villages. So you'll you'll find, uh, uh, let's say, Sanjongo, Sanjongo village, the chief in the area will be Chief Sanjongo, because he would have moved there somewhere along the line. And then there would be headmen if there are other smaller villages that would be under the chief. And so it runs on that, that chief type system. Okay. Yeah. So you got the the chief,
0: the chiefess, and then the other chiefs, and then yes. headmen. Have any of those chiefs or headmen
2: come to Christ? or any oh, of them Christian? Many, many, many of them. Sadly to say, one of my best friends, Johnny Cambulo, recently um, um, his canoe tipped over. He was actually a deputy headman of the village where I've got a forward base. We've got a forward base. We we because the area is so vast, uh, if we deploy folk, let's say from where I am in Chavuma. Uh, they've and they need to go out on the plains, it to where they need to um, work from it's very far so what we do is we put forward deploy uh, we uh, create forward bases we then take them to the forward base with our four by fours and then they deploy from there on foot to the various areas Our so john uh, one of our forward bases uh um at mahina johnny kambula is the deputy headman he's a lovely man of the lord jesus his whole family i mean they love the lord and then and johnny recently his canoe tipped, tipped over and he never came up and he can't swim so the crocs got a hold of him oh no yeah a very sad situation over there these
0: the these the tribe and and the villages and you have these chiefs and i'm just curious about we talk about the culture being changed part of the gospel changing culture is civil law I'm not sure how how much um, freedom do these tr- these villages have to, to kind of enforce justice or is that something like, have you noticed any change with these chiefs and these headmen in, I mean, if you gave the example of, you know, they would potentially kill someone if they thought that they were the cause of someone dying from a disease Any the other areas as far as like civil law goes and where they're trying to take the Bible and say, well, we've been doing things wrong. As a society, whether it's a village or a people, and we're going to try to change that
2: in line with biblical law okay civil law as from the government's perspective that law is strictly administered in Zambia so for instance you've got seventy two different uh, languages amongst fifteen million people, which is the population of Zambia and so they they don't tolerate any um, inter-tribal um, conflict. is harshly dealt with by government and the law. But where we are out on the plains because of this remoteness that's on the plains. And um, with, as I mentioned, that if uh, uh, there's many cases where they're saying, oh, who, who put a curse on this person? Let us kill them. The police don't even go and investigate. They're more scared. They're scared to cross on, into that area and into that Influence over there, so in these remote areas, the government basically sits back a little bit, and they allow the chief and the that that uh, justice system under the chief to continue to 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 run its course. Okay, um, with regards to us and our influence, obviously from a biblical perspective, our our, our overseers and that would uh, inculcate into the uh, various folk what is right and what is wrong according to scripture. But we haven't specifically, like you have done, Joel, now gone to the Congo. We haven't specifically addressed that issue with tribal leaders from a biblical base. And maybe it's something we can look at in the future. Say let's let's do that with these folk as well. it would be fantastic.
0: Yeah, maybe get Joel back over there and, 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 and do some more training on that. I, I one more question with that, just if you can think of anything off the top of your head. If not, that's fine. Uh, any other areas that you see, though, looking at it, where you say, you know what, this is something that I think would need to be changed uh, to have this this village m- more biblical? I mean, again, we mentioned the the curses on these people, supposedly. Any other things you see, whether it's with theft, whether it's with private property, that you think, you know what, this is an area in in these villages that needs to be changed for under the lordship of Christ?
2: Absolutely. You know, I believe that the uh, lordship of Jesus Christ should permeate all spheres of society. So we're very good at uh, at piety and uh, evangelism, but it should also be in agriculture, in education, in these things. So many times, a, a businessman will say to me, "Oh, Jonah, oh, you know, I'm not a I'm not a missionary." And I think to myself, and what I say to him, I say, "No, you actually you are. You're a businessman. Why don't you bring along?" Uh, because these folk live from day to day, from hand to mouth. Why don't you come and teach them about short, medium, and long-term vision? What about, and, and we do. We bring in farmers to come and show them some new ways of farming. Uh, we introduce new vegetables to them that they need to grow because there is a lot of malnutrition, a lot of malnutrition. Uh, that's why we put in boreholes. But we need folk to come along and, and, and educate them in uh, looking further than just today. And so I, I, uh, I have started a little group in Chavuma, for instance, we call them Soft, Society of Forward Thinkers. <laughs> it's businessmen. And we're saying, you've made money out of our little town over here. What, what do you want this little town to look like in five years' time? And they've never thought like that. I said, you're making money. Why? What about reinvesting in this town so that you can, more people will come and there's that so? We need businessmen to come along and to share vision, and to share um, and and to teach them a little bit about short, medium, and long-term planning. Now, that's just one area which I really, really believe that if we do that, you know, uh, uh, a lot of times, and I say this to my African, uh, my American friends, you know, we we, we we keep sowing money into a big black hole. It just goes. It just go. Why don't we take those funds or the monies that you want, why don't you come over, bring it over, and then uh, um, do some teaching and identify one or two folk that you know. Hey, these guys have actually shown some, you know, they can, they can do something. So I'm going to take this funds. I'm going to invest it in you. In, and and, and if, it, if it's in the form of training, it's one thing. But what about doing a little business venture? Let's, let's do that business venture. Now you've got an outsider business. Can you see the picture? And now you've got an individual sitting in the states he's got a vested interest in a brother over there who he's mentoring who's got an investment in it's cap it's 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 risk uh, capital risk yeah and he's willing i mean he was going to sow it anyway but now he's got some some input into where and how those funds are going so the good stewardship is coming through over there um, yeah so, so uh, instead of
0: you know you have people in America that may have some extra money and they say, well, I want to give it to a good cause. And instead of just saying, I'll just donate it to this ministry organization, you're saying get connected with someone over there that you trust as a Christian and see if you can get connected with some of these, these uh, indigenous Christians and say, Hey, how can I come alongside you and partner with you in the business realm to, you know, allow, help you to
2: advance the kingdom in that way. Absolutely, and we can help them with that because this has been the society of forward thinkers is where we would run this thing through. There are businessmen, Christians who are businessmen, who, who are actually doing pretty well. But uh, you look at the operation and you think, my hat, how is he making money? But he's making money. But his shop looks like a mess. Yeah? Yeah. Things are lying all over. You think, does he know what's in his shop? <laughs> so if any of our listeners who are businessmen want to get involved, can they just
0: send you an email and ask for more
2: information? 100% it will be my privilege to hear from them.
0: Okay. We'll put that in the uh, – what is it? Is it info? I'll put it in there. Is it
2: info at? Wayma- at za or Z-A as you would pronounce it. What is yes. the, What does the Z-A stand for? Z-A Africa. South Africa. South Africa. The yes, Z is sir. South. Okay. I have some
0: more questions, but Joel, anything you want to ask yeah, John?
1: Yeah, I'm intrigued with the uh, with the idea of the clinic. I, I take it that's obviously a health clinic. Yes, sir. And you ha, have you built more than one or just one or
2: no? Uh, uh, let me maybe say in in um, in Angola, Masaha, who is the missionary we work with, indigenous missionary, he built this little building hmm. for a clinic, but it it really got no resources. So what we've come along to strengthen that we're bringing in resources to help him. So we would. When it comes to medical supplies, we got access through wholesalers in Lusaka, that's the capital of Zambia. And so when funds do come in, we then purchase some, what his needs are. But obviously there we would um, enjoy if we could get more support for the clinic. So that we've got uh, midwives trained up at that clinic. Uh, he's a, um, a laboratory technician. He knows how to look through that microscope and see what's going on right. over there. And uh, so uh, we just brought in a dentist recently from South Africa, Dr. Dhani Fisser, to to do dental work. This You must know this area is very remote and was war-torn for decades. And because it was um, a pro-West and uh, not – it, and rather let's say it's an anti-communist region they are ostracized by the government because they they vote against the government even in the recent um um, um voting they voted against so they're not w- well liked by the government so they, they they're ostracized
1: okay and without that um w- w- without that clinic the people around shavumba where you are um, how far would they have to travel for medical assistance? Well,
2: let's – yeah, Chavuma has a – we we've got a clinic within Chavuma. Okay. That's – that's, that's – uh, uh, decent run operation oh, okay. at one stage it was the best hospital in zambia okay and there's another mission hospital about 150 kilometers south of us called Chitokoloki.
1: so it's a mission hospital it's a mission but hospital the missionaries built it
2: uh, oh absolutely yeah, okay. but now obviously with the medical and how it works in the medical world and you know, the government has a major influence in the hospital because they have staff there as well but the doctor for instance has to be approved by the missionaries um, um they will not just take any doctor but the government provides the doctor and so the folk that, in that's An- in chivuma in chivuma okay so the folk but, I, but out in the bush where you are that's chivuma now okay bear with me i'm going to come so yeah. now in where this clinic is in angola yeah that's 80 kilometers away that feel, that sounds like it's just around the corner because that's what 40 35 miles
1: yeah more like 50 yeah 55 yeah. miles yeah
2: miles but it takes the people walk from there uh-huh. there's no hospitals no clinics no schools in in that whole part of Ang- in that whole region of angola so they walk from there So if a crocodile mauls somebody's leg they have to get from there they come then to the chavuma hospital to to be treated wow. so that's why we now in angola we're assisting that little clinic and uh, uh, attempting to really build it up to something substantial okay that it will be able to cater for those people and especially the you know the pregnant woman yeah mm-hmm. uh, you know with eclampsia the the, the the um the blood pressure rises yeah. very quickly, and uh the women folk need to be close to a hospital so that it can be treated with it. so simple things that we don't even bother about, yeah in the cities are major challenges to them in the bush
1: okay. All right. Thank you. Yeah. That's, I, I, I'm always intrigued by that because people don't realize that especially, well, e- even here, a uh, hundred years ago, pretty much all of our hospitals had like Christian type names, St. Luke's, wh- wh- whatever. Right. right yeah. And sure enough, it's still going on that it's the, it's the Christian missionaries that are building the hospitals for the health of these folks. And even what you said earlier, uh, Jono, uh, your, your, your point, about, uh, point about clean water. I mean the um, the survival rate of the uh, of the young folks ha- has to have gone way up with uh, clean water. Hundred percent.
2: It just hundred percent. Nobody's dying in that village from dirty water anymore. You must. You know the look. Uh, when we speak of spirit, soul, and body, even the early missionary, how did they deal with that? The spirit they put down the church. The soul they put down the, the education. They taught the kid, the folk um, how to read and write. So there's the education, the spirit, the soul. Uh, The body was medical, so they'd put in a clinic or a hospital. So the missionary, that was always the early church approach, Mm -hmm. and the early missionary approach was to put those three things down. And, uh, you know, historically, (laughs) it's usually the missionaries, you know, they're getting the language from a listening language into a written language into a translated language.
1: Yes, so so the language of the the Luvali people. If i'm saying that correctly yes was that first um uh written down you know heard written down and put to writing by missionaries oh yes um the missionaries
2: as a matter of fact this year a hundred years back the plymouth brethren the brethren arrived in the area and they have put a lot of the mission stations throughout um, zambia historically it's known as cmml christian missions many lands is their operation uh today they work with other groups as well but predominantly it was the brethren in the early days that came out and established so they established they built uh, they built up on the hill we call it up the hill they built uh, the hospital they built a school and um um yeah they built the church
1: and what's the general population of the Lou valley people
2: Across uh, the whole. Yeah, uh,
1: between Angola and uh, Zambia. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, 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 six hundred to 800,000.
1: Okay. And so that language, you know, um, put, put to writing just within the last 60, 70 years. Correct. And six eight to 800,000 people can now have access to read. I mean, I know they can't all read and write, but the possibility is now there, and that's because of Christian missionaries. Oh, absolutely.
2: Even the material that we're translating from ho- Harvesters, uh, harvesters uh, Ministries. We're translating that into Luvali. It is the only um, um, teaching, uh, let's use it, uh, seminary teaching that is in the Luvali language. Everything else is in English. So what we're doing is actually uh, we're breaking barriers by just taking harvesters' seminary training, their Bible teaching and training, and putting it into Luvali. Now the Luvali, and I'm talking across the board because it's bible based it's not leaning towards any denomination it's purely bible based uh, training is now in their own language as well okay it's
0: exciting and that's going to also help the children learn i'm curious about what the the education of the children are in some of these remote tribes and how that's changed with the christians coming in and that's kind of what you're talking about but teaching teaching children to read and that
2: is part of the work of the missionaries yes absolutely look I must give credit to an extent to the Zambian government. They are putting uh, schools all over the show and in these remote areas. But the, 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 that is, the building goes up. And then, um, but the quality of the teaching or the consistency of the teaching is not always there. Because the individual, the teacher that's out on the plane is gonna be there for a few months to a year. It's like almost their training period. But the, pers- the person that's out there comes from maybe a sit- maybe the city and now sitting in a remote in the bush. Uh, so a lot of times that is lacking. And then what happens in Zambia, although Zambia has got 72 different dialects and tribal languages, the government, the predominant language, the main language is English because it used to be a British colony. So um, if, the, if the child, up until the grade of seven, cannot master English. That child does not progress further into school. it got to go home and stay at home. And so out on the on the plains, you've got many children, and just uneducated, and they will follow in their parents' footsteps at basically hoeing the field and putting a something into the ground.
0: Well, one of the things we talk about a lot on this podcast is here in America, uh, many – people and certainly joel and i are are very opposed to the government being involved in education absolutely Um, i think it's beyond their responsibilities delegated from christ Uh, you've mentioned the the government kind of building these schools maybe maybe sending some teachers there and then coming back i mean i know that we don't have time to go into all this but just briefly what do you think that there could be a better vision for that Where, I mean, in the past you had missionaries travel and the missionaries are kind of the ones that were like, well, we're going to teach your kids instead of these witch doctors. I think of St. Patrick in Ireland, you know, instead of these pagan priests, we're going to teach your children how to read and write. And then with that comes, you know, maybe you will become a farmer and we could teach you how to do that. Maybe you will become a black, whatever, you know. So have you thought much about that? What would be a better
2: vision than the Zambian government? One hundred percent. And let me tell you, the government encourages that. Because the government knows that the Christians, they do a fantastic work. Let me tell you one Thank thing Lord. again. The Zambian government recognizes the work of what the, the missionaries have done over the years. We are very well accepted by the existing government anyway, the, the, the folk that are in, uh, 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 in authority at the moment. Very much so. Recognized, assisted wherever we can. Uh, We've got any hurdles, they step in, they help us to, you know. So Zambia is very, very, very open right now to um, if there's anybody called or, you know, believe they called to come in to get involved. And schooling 100%, the government has no problem with... um, The church um coming in and doing schools
0: okay okay i have a few more questions we only have about 10 more minutes joel uh, any other questions you have i'm I'm good i'd like to
1: hear your questions
0: well i just wanted to help (laughs) i think your questions are better than mine but um just kind of some more a little bit of personal background for you from people to kind of understand i think some people might be curious okay where where are you coming from uh Theologically, just as far as your church background, growing up, grew up in South Africa, right? So, yes, uh, growing up in South Africa, and, and now your your kind of home home base is is in Zambia, right? Yes, we okay. immigrated to Zambia, okay, so, so I've that, got resident, residence residence in Zambia now. You and your wife, right, yes. live in Zambia. Yes. Um. And so, I would just be curious, kind of, what, what if you have a home church there in Zambia, uh, or if you're always, you know, in the bush on the Lord's Day, and kind of what your your background was. Okay.
2: Before I say that, remember, I'm totally kingdom-focused,
0: okay? Amen.
2: So uh, we hold hands with various parts, Christ being the head, we are the body. So my personal walk, when I grew up, I grew up as a, in the Dutch Reformed Church. I okay. grew up Reformed, went through Catechism, went through the Calvinist cal, uh, Catechism um, Confirmation. and But nobody in that time, um, in, in, I'm talking 1960s, 1960s, early 70s, okay? Nobody ever shared with me that I needed to be a born again. Mm. Salvation was never part of it. It was you going through the process. And when I got confirmed, I'm part of the family of Christ. I'm, I'm there. And I believe that until I was challenged, there's another testimony. It, it landed up with my nose broken and, and two blue eyes. You know, when somebody gives you on the nose, you're, you're, both your eyes go blue. So it landed up into a bit of a fight. But um, when I really uh, looked and again, because I mean, I, I, you know, Reformed, you've got your Bible with you all the time. I read my Bible. All of a sudden, um, after the challenge, now I'm reading the Word of God and there's a challenge from the Word of God now in my life. So someone challenged you personally? Yes. Do you, do you yes. know the Lord personally? Well, thing? well, it was a chap that was with me in the Dutch reform who came and got like born again first, but he gets born again in a Pentecostal church. So now he wants to take me to the Pentecostal church. But I'm telling you, what's this thing? I was told when I was uh, in the Dutch Reformed Church in the early years, you know, these guys hunt for the Holy Spirit under the seat and they put him in a brown packet and, you know, all that thing. Anyway, I really tried to duck and dive going with him to this Pentecostal fellowship. And I went there and the Lord convicted me. I had this massive conviction. I mean, you know, in those days, 1960s and 70s, boys don't cry. You know, cowboys don't cry. But man, I broke down. God, really. Especially just,
1: South African Bushmen don't cry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely, yeah.
2: Bur- Burkis don't yeah, cry, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm half burki So what, what is half what? burki So uh, Afrikaner. Okay, I've, I've got Dutch, oh, yeah. Dutch blood in me. And, okay, so, yeah.
1: yeah. But they don't know how to cry. So, yeah. No, no, no. They
2: are just hardcore characters. I'm one of the smaller ones. You know, they all big men like this. <laughs> So, so that was it, and um, it was from there that Lord really worked in my life. Now, there was a period that I backslid. I was in the military. I backslid um, to an extent. I would say, you know, you, you know, one foot here, one foot there. But again, you know, it was like sort of. I was travelling one day, and it was just like, boom, as if somebody grabbed me, and uh, I got such a shock in my vehicle. It was the Lord saying, "Grab me!" Like as in it. And he said, I'm going to, you're going to stand before me shortly. And I'm going to ask you what you did with the son I gave you. He was a little baby. And what you did with the wife I gave you. Well, let me tell you something. I had diarrhea for six months. I realized it's the fear of God because they couldn't find a problem with me. Mm. So I feared God. And I didn't look left and I didn't look right. I just looked up. I couldn't give to who's who says what, where I used to be quick with my fists. I just realized. And God said, I want you to have a thick skin because where I'm gonna send you is you're gonna need a thick skin. And in the field, I've been abused, physically abused. I've been accused of being a spy. I've had various uh, challenges uh, to me in the field. Had I not been thick skinned, I would not be speaking to you yet today. I must probably be back in South Africa, uh, sweeping the road or something like that, I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure we could go much more into that if we have more time. Uh, Now, where you're at now in Zambia, is, is there a kind of a church family you have there that you go out on? Can just kind of share that with
2: us? All right. I cannot speak the Luvali language. Good question. The Luvali over there, it, uh, I, at times I fellowship with the Luvali. Now, you must know I'm working with their overseers, so let's call them bishops for the sake of sure. giving them a time, and they are. Yeah. It's just that some churches don't really want to go that route at using the word because it's abused in Africa. Um, and so these bishops, I work with these bishops who have these churches Church groups underneath them, and from time to time, I would go. I would preach at these church with an interpreter. But for me to go and sit there means I've got to keep getting an interpreter for me, so I can understand language. So I do not. Um, uh, uh, we actually spoke about it yesterday. I think I. That's a privilege that the Lord has, um, uh, that I don't enjoy. Let's 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 say that. And and I've got no problem because God has called me to work over there. I'm not working there because I want to work there. God has called me, and I, and I enjoy everything about my call. But when I get back home <laughs> in Cape Town, and I go to my fellowship there, oh, my hat, it's like I'm a sponge, and my wife is like a sponge, and we just say, yeah, Lord, we don't want it to end. You know, everybody works on time in our world. But in the uh, 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 in in my brothers in Africa, across our south african borders time what is time <laughs> it's three hours four hours five hours you know you can sit long and yeah. and everything but when i get back so on a sunday what my wife and i do it's like a little ritual um we've got three different um um, um on, on on the internet three different live sermons church groups that we listen to so we listen to my own our own church group that's there there's one in scotland a um, reformed church there that's actually pretty pretty good and then there's a presbyterian church down in um in nice in south africa tim is pastor tim is his name or reverend tim i can't think of his surname but a phenomenal teacher he's almost like a spurgeon being a wordsmith so he's he's is, is excellent. And so that's what we do. We we, we, we listen to these three in the morning. That's what we do as far as getting input. Now, and then
0: uh, a lot of times you're also with these, then these, the Livali people yes. that you can't necessarily understand as well, but you're there ministering with them. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. So you kind of supplement that with these? Absolutely. English speakers or Afrikaans. <laughs> yes. Do they no. speak Afrikaans at your, inside the South African church? No, English. English? Okay. Yeah. What, what
2: kind of church is that? It's a Pentecostal church. Okay, the one yes. in South Africa. I've got one of, uh, there's a reformed church, uh, Belleville I'll, I'll use their term, Gereformeerde Kerk, Belville Oos. It's a reformed church, Belleville East. We've got a strong partnership. And so uh, the Reverend uh, Reynald Forie and I work very closely together. And he's one of his elders. So we have a relationship and I have fellowship there in the past as well. But my, my fellowship, the one that I get, is a painting consultation. In Cape Town there. Yes. Okay,
0: well, Joel, uh, one more question maybe you have, and then I want to uh, get some information for people on how they can, can help. So,
1: Yeah, I, I just have one last question about those boreholes or wells, basically is what you're talking about there. Um, if, if the missionaries in that area, among 600,000 people in that area, if the missionaries aren't out there like, like you and your partners, are not out there drilling these wells so they can have clean water, then, they're not getting, then it's not getting done. Am I correct? Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: That doesn't mean the gospel is not going forth. It's just that from you know, faith without works, I see this as one of the works. Mm-hmm. This is, comes along with that faith, yeah. along with the gospel.
1: Yeah. The, the reason why I ask that is I mean, we have this status mentality that if the government doesn't do it, it doesn't get done. But in this case, if the missionaries don't do it, it doesn't get done. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Well, uh, one more quick question. You mentioned Islam in the north. Has, has it come down? I mean, I'm sure there are some, of, some teachings there, but has, has it come down a lot to the area you're at?
2: Uh, we had a little bit of a, uh, uh, let's call it some pressure from them uh, in, in about two years back. So what happened is we've got really one Muslim in our whole community. In the whole, among whole, the whole of all, the whole where we are, okay, one Muslim, and um it was a, about two years back. There was a group of these clerics that came to our area, Muslim clerics, and I asked the local these bishops and this. Have you noticed these this group here, about ten of them? They said yes. I said, well, what is their story? They said no, they don't know. I said, well, go and find out. So they went and found out from these folk what what are you doing here? Because I mean, everybody's looking. What are these folk doing here? And um, they said, no, we're coming to pray for peace. <laughs> then I got involved, and I said, listen, you guys prayed praying for peace. Go back to Somalia. They were from Somalia. You know Black Hawk Down?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Back
2: from Somalia I think, listen, go back to Somalia. You need to go and pray, pray for peace amongst your own people over there. Don't come here. And interestingly enough, I found out later that these folk had acquired a piece of land. They were now going to build a church, uh, a, 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 a school, okay. a school. And Angola is… Um, super um, against Mus- the advancement of Islam. As okay. a matter of fact, in Angola, they pushed down the, the mosques. They bulldozed a couple of them in the past. So from a geographical position, these guys wanted to establish themselves close to the Angolan border to influence those people. And uh, when that was pointed out to the Zambian government, they immediately squash that. So there's no school going up in our area, okay. no Muslim influence. Okay.
0: Yeah, definitely spiritual warfare. for sure. Okay, well, we're just about out of time. John, uh, how, how else can people help? I mean, I'm, I'm very interested, and I'm going to put share your information. Maybe you could, if you have an idea on that, are there any specific businesses, I'm putting you on the spot here, ty- type of businesses that you think would be good for American partners or others to come in and say, you yeah, have expertise in this field, let me help. One of these people out with this business. Okay.
2: okay, where we are, obviously, there's a lot of what we call uh, um, cooker shops or these little general dealer stores. So you might know the term general dealer. So they sell everything. The okay. shop has got everything, but the shop next door has got everything. Some of these shops are more prominent and more successful. And my what the way I'm just thinking, I, I call it biblical basic uh, biblical basic building blocks. So somebody can come in and help these folk. Especially those that are successful, that have proven they can do business, in just not only seeing how they can sharpen up in their own business, but through that seeing you know diversify. Well, where else can we look? And there are much, there are many opportunities. Uh, I, I, I can go into some. Uh, now, but I know time is not. Okay, so
0: that's kind of like a general store. It's a general store. S- sells everything. Okay, Chinese junk, do everything else. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, I'll I'll share your email address and, and website. Any other ways people can help? Um, obviously, we we could be praying for you. Anything else you want to share here? How people can help? How people can follow you? What they can do to support what you're doing?
2: We'd love to have folk come out. Our, our mission is open for folk that want to come and spend time themselves, one month to three months. To six months, uh, come and help us on the practical side of work. I mean, our mission base. I've got fencing, I've got poles, I've got staff that needs to be managed, and so we would uh, we would really enjoy a, a couple coming along and saying, "We'll we'll 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 look after the practical side. We'll manage the practical side." And uh, yeah, jack of all trades kind of individual. Uh, uh, it could be a single guy. It could. It would be great if it's married because my wife's out there. And she could be helping my wife, who's involved very much with a women ministry. Um, so yeah.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: And where can people go again to find more information? They can. They can go onto our website, waymakers.org.za. But they must put the za in. Otherwise, you're going to get waymakers.org is an another an American operation, a fantastic one. I've had a look at it. But we the we we, we South Africa. It's a totally the, different. Totally different. Okay, I would love to meet these other guys. By the way, they're okay. involved at universities, so it'll be great.
1: Okay, um, Joel, anything you want to add? No, I think I'm good. Okay. Um, great, great questions and great conversation for sure. Uh, I'm always, I'm always big on, on making, um, helping people understand that when anything good happens, it's the Christians first. Amen. The, the state comes later and claims credit right and then then messes it up yeah Yeah. and then blames the christians right
2: (laughs) and historically they've always capitalized on the missionary haven't they yeah oh Uh, absolutely uh, you in first and they come behind so yeah thank you folk yeah well
0: joel we're going to talk on another podcast about your recent trip i guess you've been to africa three times maybe you have to go a fourth time and and get over there in angola and and zambia with with john here uh john anything else you want to share for our listeners before we wrap up i'm fine just
2: i really appreciate i really appreciate the american folk don't surrender, don't give up, stand firm, and uh, you folk have big hearts, and thank you very much for your support, and on behalf of all the missionaries that are in the field that benefit from you folk, I want to say thank you.
0: Amen. Well, for more information, again, uh, about John Leach, go to waymakers.org.za, and you can find out information there, and I'm sure um Maybe watch videos, sign up for updates, things like that. For more information about the Lancaster Patriot, go to thelancasterpatriot.com. Uh, Joel, real quick, quick 30-second plug on the upcoming conference.
1: Yes, I uh, hope you um, plan, w- would plan to join us. Uh, go to futureofchristendom.org, and um, we are having uh, Dr. James White. Uh, he'll be doing a, um, a debate and the debate is something like this, I always forget the exact term, but is gay Christian an acceptable term for a member of Christ's church? He'll be uh, debating Dr. Gregory Coles on that point. And the, um, the closer we get to the date, uh, September 15th and 16th, the price goes up. It's very reasonable at this point. Go to futureofchristendom.org and uh, come on down. We'd love to meet you. We have an awful lot of, of, of speakers. We're doing expositional talks, meaning they're 18-minute talks on various various topics. Our overall, uh, our, our overall theme is the gospel at war. And by the, to- by the, you know, by the term gospel, we mean Genesis 1-1 through Revelation 22. Um, all of it is the gospel, the gospel at war with fem- feminism, the gospel at war with the, the yellow bus, the gospel at war with pietism, and the gospel is at war. Um, it's it's God who put the enmity between the, the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman, and we are just fulfilling His great commission by pointing out that in the end, it's either the gospel of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of Christ, or the kingdom of man. They're not both going to be standing together,
0: right? And we've definitely heard a bit about the gospel at war over there in Angola and Zambia, and coming into conflict with these pagan religions. Really, you know, these uh, superstition. And even, even Islam trying to come in there as well. And speaking of, again, South African Christian, Charles, Charles Van Vick, how do you say
1: his name? Van vake is Von how we Vick. say it. I
0: always say that wrong. Charles Van vake will be there speaking as well yes, at he the will. conference. So, so check that out. He'll be speaking
1: of the gospel war with missiology. Okay. There's a lot of funny stuff going on in missions today. Yes, well. Yes. That's That'll
0: be, be perfect. All right, well, John, hopefully we can have you back sometime. Next time you're back in the States, uh, please reach out. Uh, and again, we, we'd love to talk with you. So thank you so much for listening. Until next time, remember Christ, not man, is king. So long. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Lancaster Patriot Podcast as much as I did. If you'd like to support our work here and help us get even more content like that out, please consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash the Lancaster Patriot. Your support will help us continue to provide news and commentary to Lancaster County and beyond, and you will have access to bonus content exclusively for our patrons. Again, go to patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash the Lancaster Patriot.